0: Welcome to Talking Wyndham, your weekly insight into the people who make our city surprising, fascinating, vibrant and interesting. Talking Wyndham is an initiative of the Committee for Wyndham. All the latest news and events are on our website and Facebook page. Hi and welcome to another edition of the Talking Wyndham podcast. My name's Kevin Hillier, here, of course, for the Committee for Wyndham. And if you want to find out what they're all about, and they do some terrific work in the City of Wyndham, all you have to do is jump on the Facebook page or the website and you'll get all the details and love you to be involved in the Committee for Wyndham. It's a good organisation. Uh, now, this podcast, we've been doing, uh, we've done more than 80 of these podcasts. And what we've tried to do, and I think we've achieved, is to bring you uh, businesses uh, and people from all different walks of life, from all different spheres in the uh, in the community, and to show you the way they go about doing their business or what their business is about in a different light. And today, certainly, that fits that criteria. Luke Jamison is the founder and CEO of Playfully. Now, gamification might not be a word that you're terribly familiar with, but uh, we're going to explain exactly what it means to you in this podcast. Uh, we're only scratching the surface of what it's all about and uh, some of the services that uh, that Luke knows about and, uh, and brings through his business. So if you want to know more, obviously, check out uh, his website. That's Playfully, P-L-A-Y. F-U-L-L-I. It is a work in progress, as you'll find out. But let's talk to Luke and find out uh, what it's all about. Luke Jemison, the founder and CEO of Playfully. Mm -hmm. Luke, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, How's working from home working for you? Working from home is
1: interesting. It's Definitely, uh, it, it takes away from that face-to-face experience you get as a consultant with uh, with companies. But look, it's good. Uh, you know, it, what is interesting is, I think the companies that uh, are used to having things like Zoom meetings um, are way more open to things like consulting uh, over, over Zoom. So it's you know, my clients, a lot of my clients have been overseas because they're just used to having Zoom uh, calls. It's actually the local, uh, closer to home businesses that keep saying, oh, we'll just wait until everything opens back up. But but for the most part, working from home is, is good.
0: Yeah, we uh, we use that, uh, we'll wait till everything opens up uh, sort of through March, and then we got into April, and then we thought, oh, no, maybe it's not, maybe we need to adapt, maybe we need to be a bit more flexible. It's one of those things where it's gone on for a lot longer than we thought, and we've had to really, as businesses and business owners and, and people involved in, uh, in local business, we've had to adapt really quickly.
1: Mm, absolutely, yeah, definitely. Uh, I suppose with my business, it it does help that there's a lot of online options, which is good.
0: All right, let's talk about uh, Playfully. How did did this come about? Because you you are not only the the CEO, you're the founder of this organization.
1: Yes, that's right. So uh, this came about after probably over a decade of me working in in the corporate world and uh, seeing seeing that the people that I manage, I manage large teams, you know, over, over 250 people. And I always noticed. Same people seem to be engaged and seem to do well, uh, yet there was a whole range of people who who were really valuable employees and, and had great skills, but they never ended up being uh, sort of at the top of any uh, board or any any sort of um, metric that that we defined as an organisation. And uh, that always made me curious, so I dived into you know finding ways to engage people beyond people who were just engaged by your traditional KPIs. And uh, about 10 years ago, uh, I was I was doing this whole idea of, of engaging people who were you know very social, engaging people who were uh, maybe driven by milestones, people who were driven by um, becoming subject matter experts, and realizing that it was having a pretty good effect. Uh, now, at the time, I didn't know that it was you know, probably a behavioral psychology or... Or gamification, for that matter, it was just for me a great way to engage team and drive, drive engage teams and drive better uh, employee engagement, and, and therefore have better better um, outputs. You know, so what was interesting was measuring behaviours instead of instead of metrics, and started to have such a really good effect. And after after many years of doing this, um, gamification platforms started to hit the market, and people were curious it's you know it's still it's still quite a quite a buzzword and, and lots of people are curious about it and i had organizations saying hey Luke, can you come and do this for us uh, come over to our organization and do the same thing you've done elsewhere at the same time i had gamification companies going hey can you help us with this client because they they don't know how to get this started and and, and we don't really have the expertise so i saw a real gap in the market there and um, decided to, to create playfully uh, and help organisations uh, do gamification in a, in a sustainable way that helps deliver purpose and meaning uh, in, in everything that, that people do.
0: So explain to me uh, and everyone listening to this podcast what exactly gamification is. Define that for me.
1: Good question, and it's probably the number one question I get. So, so gamification is essentially putting game mechanics and behavioural psychology into non-game activities. So work, for example. So instead of... But gamification mechanics can can range. The the really obvious ones are things like points, badges and leaderboards, Uh, but they tend to wear thin pretty quickly. It's a very uh, immature and and, and entry-level way into gamification. And, And sadly, there's a lot of platforms out there that just offer that. Um, however, there's some really good ones that go beyond just those points back to leaderboards and really engage with lots of different mechanics like storytelling and narrative uh, streaks, um, really engaging the social aspect of, of um, gamification and, and engagement uh, and learning and self-development and um, you know, these ideas of not just competing against others, but competing against yourself and um, you know I always think that a goal set for yourself is way more powerful than a goal set for others, and so I think that the companies out there that have realized that um, are doing really well and are engaging in micro learning and um, behavioral psychology beyond just simple game mechanics.
0: Luke, do you start with the with what is the definition of success first before you actually work out what the what the game is because Everyone's uh, definition of success is slightly different. And so for some people, winning isn't the ultimate goal?
1: Mm, very true. I actually start with with two things. One is, you know, firstly, starting with the problem you're trying to solve. More often than not, I have organisations come to me uh, with symptoms, uh, not actually the, the root cause. So someone might say, oh, we've got, we need more sales. That's their definition of success. Yeah. That's their definition of the problem. Um, that's actually not the problem. The problem is that you're asking people to do the wrong thing and um, the behaviours that, that they're displaying aren't giving you the outcomes that you want. And the challenge with that is that most traditional KPIs that, that measure lag metrics, so post, you know, once, once everything's done, said and done, the challenge with those is that you, you don't have any ability to, to change them. They only motivate around 25% of our staff. And they don't actually um, they' they're trying to ask you to change, but they're not giving you the motivation or the ability to do so and that's where I think measuring behaviors is much more much more powerful and effective so the first thing I do is you know what is the challenge, what's the problem you're trying to solve and let's figure out what the root cause of that is uh, and the second thing is really opening up organizations' eyes to the fact that there is motivational diversity within their organization. And I built a profiling tool um, with the help of a behavioral psychologist and, and behavioral scientist, Being tested in 65,000 people. And what it does is it helps organizations see that people are motivated beyond just uh, competition with each other, which is what traditional kind of KPIs or key performance metrics tend to tend to lean towards
0: they tend to be, uh, in most cases, very individualistic rather than team-orientated to KPIs, don't they, in many ways?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's probably the biggest trend I've seen in, in, in an HR perspective in the last 10 years is the, the shift from moving away from a individual performance to team performance. And there's a huge desire for that. You know, as humans, we, we were a social creature, right? And I think that's why COVID is so hard. Uh, we're social creatures and we have this, innate desire for belonging. And when we then start doing individual KPIs, we take that social aspect and that, that team camaraderie and, and feeling of belonging away. So being able to, to develop team-based, uh, team-based goals is, is a really strong motivator. And now the profiling tool that I have really does show, that it shows that there's people who are motivated by competing with each other, Competing against themselves, and then competing as a team, and and that's really um, you know when you start to look at those different sets, different types, you realise that most KPIs don't actually measure go to, to go to the length of of addressing all three of those those different dynamics.
0: So, I mean, I know uh, that you think KPIs suck, and I, I totally concur with you on that <laughs> one. Um, is it something that you try and eradicate from a, from a business, or do you say, okay, well, you can have that, but you also need to have this?
1: Yes, absolutely. Look, I, I, I very rarely have the power to change someone's KPIs, an organization's KPIs. They're usually set at a board and executive level. What I do have, What I do encourage is organisations to change how they achieve those KPIs. And so the KPI may remain the same. You still have to, you know, do X amount of sales or um, achieve a certain level of customer satisfaction, whatever whatever the metric might be. But how you actually achieve that can be can be controlled by, by any manager and that might be around the behaviors that you're encouraging your staff to do. And therefore and, and, and then how you go about that as an individual, as a team and, and how you value everyone's contribution. You know, I think one of the good examples, and and often people ask me, is gamification just for you know the millennials? Um, I, I think it's oh. for everyone. It's it's for Gen Y, Gen Z, Jennifer Aniston. You know, it yeah. it is for everyone, right? It's, yeah, and you, when you're in an organisation, you often have this this scenario where someone isn't a top performer, and they've been there five years. They become a subject matter expert. They're sometimes they're single point dependent. And you get to this point, you're like, oh, we can't lose that person. They're so valuable. Yet they've never ever been, um, at the top of any, any sort of leaderboard and knocking it out of the park. But all of a sudden they've got this value because their style of engagement is to be delving into uh, a product or, or, you know, becoming a subject matter expert and deep diving into these things. And. That's how they motivate themselves, yet we never build anything to try and drive that behaviour. So so that's an example of where I would say, oh, well, if that's a behaviour that we see is really valuable after five years, why don't we start to nurture that early on, this idea of self-learning and um, this idea of becoming a subject matter expert. We should reward that behaviour because they're, they're positive traits.
0: Yeah. Is gamification work on, uh, on, on uh, businesses of all sizes?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think... Motivational psychology <laughs> works works for anyone. We're all motivated, and yeah. you know. I, and look, it definitely, it definitely. I would say that gamification definitely helps. We have highly repeatable and measurable behaviours. Um, it's it's great in in that sense, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it is for that. It's just limited to them. Yeah. I, I've worked with organisations who uh, wanted. Greater learning outcomes. You know, they wanted their, and I'm currently working with with an organization that is trying to motivate people who work out in the field, um, work out in, in um, out in the open space, and to to actually take some time to, to do some self learning, and so we're using gamification to actually. Um, encourage people to to check back into a platform, watch some videos, answer some questions. And so that's working really, really well. Whereas in the past, they had not ever, ever engaged with the learning. Um, They're very unlikely to sit down in an office or at home and turn on the computer just to do the learning. So to be able to do that from a mobile device um, virtually anywhere has been extremely successful.
0: It's obviously something that's uh, that is very portable, and uh, that's what obviously one of the great advantages, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can. You, there's, there's a lot of um, different solutions out there. That's for sure. Uh, but really, at, at the end of the day, this is just this is just helping uh, organisations think differently about how they how they motivate people. You know, it's, and. Uh, I think the challenge is that a lot of people have seen gamification as being maybe a little bit of a gimmick or a little bit manipulative. And I think there's there's definitely cases where you've seen that in the past, where people are just using gamification to get people to use their platform more or to um, buy more products. Uh, I don't really subscribe to that myself. I I think that, you know, you need to have the right intent when going into gamification uh, to be successful. So, you know, it, it, I think the other challenge with gamification is I think that you know I mean this, this is probably a good example. We've spent you know the best part of ten minutes trying to define and, and explain what it is. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know you've got to do that with every organisation before before you can even before you can even uh, start a, a real conversation about about a solution. But I think the other the other part is the risk of saying no is is so low, and. The challenge that, that I face is, that, and, and the thing that drives me crazy is, you know, people. Uh, there's been there's been surveys conducted by um, OzContact, Contact, um, Fifth Quadrant, and Gallup over the last ten years that, that measure um, employee engagement with with their KPIs. And for the last ten years, they've all pretty much got the same response. You know, 26 percent of staff are engaged by that, and then seventy five percent of staff are not. Yet we keep Doing the same thing over and over again every year when it comes to um, setting, setting our goals for the year, we do the same thing. We get it from the highest uh, level of our organization. We break it down into widgets. We break it down into how many people and how many days there are in the year. And then that defines what we're supposed to do. And nobody finds meaning in that. No one finds purpose in that. And you can understand why not a lot of people are engaged by that. And yet we keep doing it over and over again.
0: Isn't that the definition of insanity? (laughs) Doing the same thing (laughs) over
1: and over. Hey,
0: is is the name uh, gamification? Is that is that uh, a stumbling block in terms of people don't take that seriously because of the the name?
1: Yeah, it is, and it's interesting. I, I did for a while there try to pivot my brand away from gamification and become more about employee engagement and purpose. But funny enough, it doesn't have the ring to it or the curiosity um, or all the uh, SEO, uh, to be honest. So gamification is yeah. great for curiosity, and you know, then it's just my battle to get past that and get, get into the, the real the real fun stuff, which is which is helping organisations create great, happy cultures that are productive and um, and uh, engaged.
0: Where does the? Uh, I mean, when when you go into a work uh, environment, you go into a, a new business, and you and you sit down, and you and you're, you're talking to both the the top end and the and and the people on the floor. Where do you get the most resistance from the floor or from the head office?
1: Yeah, great question. Look, I think it's it's uh, probably equal resistance, but on different ends of the spectrum.
0: Yeah,
1: I think from from uh, an executive of things, there's this, uh, there's an element of. Um, Proving to them that, that that this investment will give them the performance side of things. You know, you, you're talking to people who have studied spreadsheets and studied data every day and are measuring their success against that. And you're saying, well, actually, I want to I want to do a whole of of things that don't focus on that, but will ultimately deliver those those outcomes. Um, so there is some skepticism in that space from from a, a bottom up approach. You know the the entry level roles say, are you just you often think you're just trying to you know, manipulate me to do do something more, or isn't this just for uh, you know for young for young people? Yep. um I often get that from from older demographics and then and then I'll often use an example. I'll, i I often ask people, tell me what is what are some of the challenges you're facing with your current KPIs? Tell me some of the challenges you're facing as an employee. Um, when it comes to recognition and and they'll always tell you these great stories about like well you know I've got all this life experience and none of that gets recognized and it's like well how do we how would you feel if we could recognize that how could how would you feel if we could use the fact that you could be a mentor and a teacher to others and that gets recognized and counts towards something in this organization all of a sudden people's eyes light up, and like, yeah that's that, that's great and then when they realize that that's what I'm talking about and not Playing computer games at work they really engaged. Yeah. <laughs> how, have, uh,
0: how have you kind of developed it? Uh, because I mean, from your point of view, I guess it's changed a lot in the ten years. Uh, what, what's been the progression there of the way you've gone about doing it?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's really that behavioural psychology in the background. I think that's where gamification's matured. Where where originally it was around hooking people into buying more product and um. Being a little bit gimmicky and trying to be a little bit forward, it, it really ended up being quite a manipulative process, and and it's quite easy to um, hate on on something like that. Where I've seen it, where you know, where I've really tried to, to mature that is, you know, particularly around this profiling tool is really helping organisations show that there's motivational diversity. And when you when you can then create a framework to build around and to design measures around people get a greater understanding. And it, and it really is just essentially human-centered design. Um, we're just using game mechanics to help further a lot of those a lot of those um, behaviors that you're wanting to, to see more of.
0: Does it naturally build teams within teams uh, better than, than other ways that we've seen this happen previously where, you know, all the blokes with black hair get put over in the corner there and all the blokes – you know what I mean? That uh, we're, Does this kind of uh, have a more natural feel about the way that teams within the teams are built?
1: Yeah, great, great question. What I, I really love about the profiling tool that we've developed is it's unlike other profiling tools like a Myers-Briggs, for example, where you get you know, profiled into a certain, uh, a certain type that you, and, and kind of validates why you do the things that you do and um, makes you think, well, I'm not going to have a chance because that's just who I am. Um, my profiling tool actually helps, the, um, helps uncover what you're motivated by. But then we design mechanics around that to help people um, shift their natural preferences. So where you may be really driven by um, being very autonomous uh, and and moving you move away from that social aspect of work, we will use game mechanics that align to your preference, but the outcome is actually you become more social, and so what happens is over time you actually become a more rounded, um, more rounded employee. I suppose is the best way to to describe it as far as engagement goes, and. That, that in, in itself, I think, is very different. Where the profiling tool profiles where your main preferences are, but really, its goal is to help help change how you how you interact, and therefore, it doesn't create teams within teams. It actually creates um, a greater sense of camaraderie and um, sense of purpose and mastery within a workplace.
0: Yeah, because you come do it in your own time, not when you're told to do it virtually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not a, a big fan of the team bonding sessions where you will go out and shoot pellets at, uh, you know, imaginary targets and stuff. And that'll all make us go into the workplace the next day and go, yay! It kind of, yeah, exactly. that kind of stuff doesn't work for me personally. I know it does for some people, but I, I've always found that a curious way to go about getting someone to engage in doing something. Yeah, that,
1: that kumbaya. A factor wears off (laughs) pretty quickly, though. So you you go out there and you you come back to work. You might be pumped for a couple of days. But the challenge is that motivation in itself isn't ongoing. It's not something, you know, we get these spurts of motivation. And I think that where we've gone wrong as as maybe as a society is that our desire to be successful is results-focused and not progress-focused. Yep. And for me, this is where I really find education and what I, the work I do around that uh, really powerful is that it's actually trying to drive continuous progress, not so much... And, and in that, you get some continuous motivation, but it's not about turning every single person into the top performer. That's not possible. But what it does do is that it actually helps move the middle ground Helps them improve, and and so you and I, for example, if we if we were in a competition against each other, and I was at you know number one, and you were at say number seventeen. As we get closer to the to the um, the the target of when we or the deadline, you become less and less and less motivated because you you know you're not going to get there. However, if your own if your only competition is yourself, yep. and you're trying to be your personal best or you're competing with somebody else who is like you and is at a similar similar level, you have this upper, a greater desire to keep going because there's something in it for you and you can see uh, the opportunity to succeed, even if it isn't being the absolute top performer. And I think that, again, this idea of continuous progress versus perfection is a much better approach um, to, to how we work.
0: It makes actually winning, if you ever do get to that point, so much more gratifying than if you just do it every week, if, if you know what I mean.
1: That, that's exactly right. And, and But not only that, your definition of winning and my definition of winning could be very different.
0: Absolutely.
1: And my definition of winning could just be that I I tackled a problem that I've struggled with for a long time and I've finally achieved it. Now, just because, just because I'm not the top performer in, in something else doesn't mean I don't feel successful and... and um, happy with myself uh, around the success that I've just I've just had.
0: Yeah, geez, it's a fascinating uh, area to be working, in. it must be something that constantly challenges you on on so many different levels.
1: It sure does, particularly when, when you get thrown thrown something that uh, you've never you've never considered before. Um, and and it's interesting when you know I think one of, I can't I won't say the name of the companies I worked with, but I had a, a really interesting. Uh, challenge earlier on this year where an organisation had set had wanted to drive greater employee engagement and um, that was their goal. However, the employees that worked for them actually were, were in-sourced from, from another company and they weren't technically their employees. And the KPIs that they had to um, abide by were actually contractually set with the provider that provided the employees. And so there was a real, the, the challenge was they'd set the contract that said you, the employees you provide us need to achieve X, Y, and Z and none of that was really motivating them. Yet yet they, they realised that engagement was going to be the number one thing and so it was really interesting trying to work with two separate organisations to create a framework and um, measures that were both going to give Greater employee engagement, as well as meet those contractual agreements. So, you know, when you come across challenges like that, that's where you know you really, you know, really gets the brain ticking.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, tell us about uh, entering the uh, the Winnovation Pitch Competition in uh, in twenty twenty. You, you you took out the audience vote. Well, what was uh, your, what's your memories of that, that experience?
1: Yeah, that was so good. Uh, it was the first time I'd done anything like that. I, I was, I think, I was the first person to apply. Uh, I would applied really, really early um, when it opened up. And uh, I was really, I was really keen to learn. And, and as you can tell, what I do is actually really hard to. Uh, it's really hard to pitch in an elevator. Yep. And um, one of the, that was one of the challenges I was wanting to solve is how do I how do I make what I do simple enough to understand, but also engaging enough that you want to know more. Uh, and so, for me, the the whole process of that that Winnovation pitch competition. Um, wasn't so much about winning it was for me a, a learning experience yeah. and uh, it, it was fantastic I, I met with some i met some amazing people um, through that process who who i still am connected with today and um, you know we it was a really interesting competition because everyone wanted everybody else to succeed so everyone was you know really interested in everybody else's project and really helping each other with the pitch um, and you go through anyway you go through a um a uh, masterclass in how to pitch uh, and it's run by um two very engaging gentlemen who who really know how to get the best out of out of people and um it was exciting getting up on stage on, on after you know weeks of preparation and and um presenting to people and, and seeing if if all the work you had done had landed well um i was stoked to win the uh the, the, the crowd vote. I thought that was. Um, yeah. I think that was that was um, great validation for me. So it. Um, I'd highly recommend it. It's um, it's open back up again now. I believe. Yep. Yep. So um, I think I need to come up with a new idea just so I can get in there and have another crack at it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, playfully,
0: where'd you come up with the the name for that? Was it? Uh, and it's with an I, with a not a Y. If people are searching it, uh, if you want to Google it and, and check out uh, your website and all those things, how'd you come up with that?
1: Oh look! I I look. I think when you start a business, I think that might be the hardest thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> all the other bits and pieces, the, the legals and the, the finances and all that sort of stuff. It, it's it's a proven methodology, but coming up with a name that you love and that you that other people resonate with, um, that's that's a real challenge. So I think I spent more time on that and the brand than I did on on anything else. Yeah, because the um, first the time idea- you tell
0: the first time you tell your best mate or your partner or whatever what the name is. That look you get is, is, yeah. is either is either so uh, so delightful or so bloody deflating.
1: Yeah, exactly. And there was a few of those moments. <laughs> uh, but look, it, <laughs> this this came from the fact that that play is an interest, an interesting concept. You know, we often think about play, uh, and we associate it with games. But a game and play are actually two different things. Um, play actually takes us. There's two types of play. There's play that where we don't have any rules, and uh, you know, it's called um, paedia um in Latin. It's it's uh, the idea that, that you often see kids doing it. You'll you'll see them you know playing make believe or uh, you know spinning around in a circle to get dizzy just to get that sensation. Yeah. This idea of play, um, and then we've got this rules based play that many of us know when it comes to things like sport uh, and. When when you start to think about play, it, it's one thing that that we start to once we become adults, we start to say, stop mucking around, stop playing around. We start telling people not to to do these things. Yet it actually has so much benefit. Yep. Uh, and there's a there's a uh, a model if anyone wants to look it up called the Humunculus man, and um, it's a it's a bloody horrible looking um, statue uh, that has it. it actually um, makes all the features that that give us um, the sensory part of our brain um, really switches on that sensory part of our brain. And and the humunculus man has these really big lips and really big hands. And they're two things that we use really a a lot when we play. And so the idea for me was how do we bring play back into into a workplace? Because there is some real positives with it. Um, Play allows us to... Have a psychologically safe environment. When we play, we don't think about that it's something's right or wrong. Mm. Um, we just we just play, and that creates this environment. Particularly when you've got, say, executives and um, uh, sort of lower level employees in the same room trying to collaborate on something, you'll we'll often not have that psychological safety. But when you bring play into it, all of a sudden hierarchy goes out the window, yeah. and um, you get this you get this great. These great outcomes and so I wanted people to play fully in what they do and um, so yeah that's where the name sort of derived from and um, uh, yeah everyone everyone that sort of sees it always is intrigued and, and, and has a smile on their face and likes it so you know um, people pronounce it wrong sometimes they could play fly or um, play fully or and to me, I don't mind as long as I remember
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Luke, thanks so much for your time. Mate. It's been fascinating talking to you. Best of luck for the yeah, future, and it's, it's obviously a uh, an area of a uh, business that uh, is uh, ever expanding and uh, and one that's incredibly interesting. Thanks so much for your time.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Thanks to Luke for his time. It's a fascinating area of business, one that I wasn't terribly aware of or knew much about, but glad I had the chat with Luke and glad we were able to share some of what he's doing in his business playfully. By all means, jump on his website and have a look at what it might be able to offer your business. Now, we mentioned the 2020 pitch competition. Well, the 2021 pitch competition is now open. And some of the details you need to know, $7,000 in prize money, $5,000 for the winner. You're eligible if you are any of the following, a Wyndham City resident, a Wyndham City based student, a Wyndham City business. There's no age limits and entries will be open up until the 6th of November. They close on the 6th of November. Uh, details are on the council website. They're after businesses, uh, startup businesses who have a great idea. If you're an existing business and you have a new product or a new service, uh, you might want to pitch that. That also falls into the uh, criteria. And uh, people with the uh, entrepreneurial flair who have a great business idea, they're looking for you as well. So uh, check out the council website, all the details there, and entries close on the 6th of November. Thanks again for listening to the Talking Wyndham podcast. Hope you enjoyed uh, today's chat with Luke Jamison. I most certainly did, and look forward to uh, joining you next time. Thanks for listening. Talking Wyndham is an initiative of the Committee for Wyndham. All the latest news and events
1: are on our website and Facebook page.